Okay, hi guys, hi Mko Salama. This is uh, Specia Magari. My name is Boba Magari and I would like to just take this opportunity to invite you guys to this space. So let's share. Share guys, let's tell guys where we are so that uh, the conversation starts. We already have Mr. Jimmy in the space, that is James Ndege from KRA. And uh, we just want to start this conversation in a few minutes. So let's share with guys. Uh, to sambaza hii njili. Sambaza njili watu wajue mahali tuko. Hii ni space ya magari. Mimi naito Boba Magari. I'll be doing this today with watu wa magari. So everyone ambaye uko wewe ni mtu wa magari pale. You have the chance to ask your question directly to KRA. Uliza swali yako ili tuweze kuengage KRA. So Mr. James is in the space. TDI you're in the space, Turbo Diesel you're in the space. I'd like to just give a shout out to Tax Avid Chobos. I see you here, Sang. I see Ruth Njuguna Kahiga Waidaka. Watu ni wengi. So, watu tuite kila mtu. I know we had the first link and uh, ikaanguka. Please kindly just let's tweet using the hashtag Space Yamagari. We have Sir Kelvin and uh, uh, the team that is Akina Tarbo. They are tracking the questions of the hashtag Space Yamagari. So if you have any question to KRA today, just tweet it using the hashtag Space Yamagari. Usiogope, uliza swali yako leo nisikuya kuuliza swali to KRA. Asante, asante. Thank you so much for making time to join this. So kama unaingia pale kwa speakers na ukona swali, you ask to kisonga mbio mbio. So yes, uh, in the meantime, uh, this session tunanza na uh, Mr. James directly. So what are tuanza na kujua Mr. James? Mr. James, wewe ni nani? What do you do? Where do you work? And let's be able to what are tukujue kwanza kabla tujanza kubili na KRA. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bob, and uh, I can see the other guy is called uh, Talibo Diesel, and I don't know whether it's ta- Talibo. <laughs> but so my name is indicated is James Indige. I work here in uh, Kenya Revenue Authority and department called uh, Customs and the Border Control Department and a division called Risk Management Division. I'm in charge of uh, valuation of goods and classification of goods in customs. I'm a chief manager in charge of uh, that valuation of goods and the classification of goods. Where valuation, I think, is the issue, major issues that we are touching today on how these motor vehicles are valued. And I will also touch shortly on how we classify these goods. Back to you. I think, I think that's a short introduction about uh, James Indege. Thank you, Mr. James. And are you are you a driver yourself? Are you into a magari? Are you an enthusiast in the car industry? Uh, yes, I am. And I do follow blindly using other links <laughs> handles. Uh, on uh, this uh, space here, magari, I followed a number of conversations that we are having. And we also enrich ourselves on the discussion that you normally do. Because... Uh, we need to get a uh, right and information. And I know there are people in this space who understand more about these motor vehicles that we normally value. So I do, and I'm also Mutu Amagali. Sio Wandege Pekeake. You know, actually, wakati umesema Mutu Wandege Pekeake, there was somebody who raised the question, like, Oliza, mbona tunaleta Mutu Wandege kwa space ya Magari, and uh, it's, it's your name, actually, right? 
karibu sana kwa space ya magari thank you so much for making time uh, guys as you have heard we have mr james ndege from the customs and border control department that's the chief manager there in a division uh, that uh, deals with uh, valuation and classification if i got it right so um mr james there's only yeah. the big question of why why kra why why every time you talk about importation of cars kuna tu mtu anasema kra inatufinyilia can you probably just tell us what is the role of kra when it comes to motor vehicle what does it do and where does it come into play ama is it a necessary agent or authority when it comes to this uh thank you pob i think we all know that kra is one of the law enforcers that we enforce the various acts that is required to correction and accounting of taxes so what we normally do is to look at those uh, acts and uh, we enforce them uh, to ensure that uh, all the taxes that are supposed to be payable are paid and uh, we account on the same So so you 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 work to enforce acts. So these acts are not really set by you but they are set by parliament if I got that right. Yes, the acts are sent by parliament and also we have some regional acts. Mm-hmm. For example, we have uh, what we call East Africa Customs uh Customs Community East Africa Community Customs and Management Act 2004 that we enforce mm-hmm. in the partner states. We have another like the VAT Act that are set by Parliament. We have the Excise Duty Act that are set locally here in Kenya. Miscellaneous uh, fees and levies act, which all we enforce and they are, uh, are products of Parliament. Okay, so, so KRA Act that we do enforce. Oh, so KRA is more of an enforcement agency rather than a collection agency. Remember, the collection is part of the enforcement. Now that uh, enforcing now we ensure that uh, what is spelled in the act mm-hmm. it is actually accurate where correction of those taxes is part of it. Okay so when it comes to motor vehicles and when when we now narrow it down and come to motor vehicle I understand there are different products that you guys deal with there is general goods and uh, now let's talk motor vehicles. What really what really tells you what to tax and before even we talk about what to tax what is there to be taxed Now when we do uh, uh, taxation of these uh, goods in particular now our case is motor vehicle first we have to classify these goods uh, in classification sometimes I might go more technical we have what we call the harmonized system This harmonized system is a system that is world over known by WCO, World Customs Organization, that has classified all the goods that we exist within the planet. So the with reference to motor vehicles, goods are classified in section 16. Uh, motor vehicles they are classified in section 16 and in particular to what we call chapter 84. And that chapter not 84 87 now chapter 87 they have what we call various hs codes now this hs code is what the tax rates are pegged upon so if we have motor vehicles uh 
we have like tractors tractors are classified under chapter 8701 heading and then the tractors their parts and so on they are classified there and their duties are given there at EAC level that's at East African Community uh, uh, level then we go to other vehicles for transportation of people uh, of about 10 or more they are also classified then above 25 persons they are classified so using that classification then you classify each motor vehicle depending on how it is it has been described in this harmonized system what we call here in EAC common external tariff so we classify them then the taxes are based on uh, that particular classification or where we have classified these particular goods bob so uh, probably you can give us what are the basic classifications that we have when it comes to motor vehicles and uh, so that we start from there so for, let me take an example of uh, if you have a uh, uh, a four wheel drive vehicle yes for transport of 10 persons mm-hmm. then if it is unassembled because we, are, we have those people who assemble vehicle here in Kenya it is classified under 8702 4011 which attracts import duty of 0%. If it is not assembled, if it is not an assembled, implying that it is assembled, it is classified under 8702 which attracts 25%. Again it goes ahead if this vehicle is 8 of diesel or petrol it is classified elsewhere so for the purpose of that we are able to levy taxes based on that classification so anything that when you bring documentation to customs the first thing we need to ensure is what are you bringing is a vehicle where have you classified it what type of vehicle where have you classified it then other things now come up Okay. So ideally that classification is what you call the this is the HS codes 8702401 is now the codes of classification for that particular item that I said. There are so many of them. Yes. There are over 5000 HS codes. Mm-hmm. Depending on the item that you are classified, we can classify it in a particular HS and then look for for example if I'm looking for a vehicle of uh, cylinder capacity exceeding 15000 but not exceeding uh not 15000 1500 but not yeah. exceeding 2500 cc if it is unassembled we classify it under heading 8703 3210 if it's assembled we classify it under heading 87 03 hs code 8703 so once you have classified that then that's part of classification we have uh, what we call uh, the rules of evaluation 
or what we call the, uh, the the valuation code and the valuation code it has about six methods that we do employ to value these particular goods so before you start computing taxes you must understand what is the value of this particular motor vehicle and uh, we have uh, one of the method is what we call the transaction value method or what is called method one and the transaction value method we look at the invoice price how much did you purchase this car either from japan from singapore from australia so once we are satisfied about of course there are conditions that one should meet for transaction value method to be applied upon your goods so if we are satisfied then we can use that particular method then we have the second method which is we call identical goods method then we have similar goods method we have deductive method we have a com- computed method and the last one which we call a fallback method so those are the f- methods of valuation that we normally apply to get the value of that vehicle so once we have gotten the value then is to apply various rates that uh, exist for example if we are declassified this vehicle where the import duty is 25 excise duty is 25 vat is 16 then we compute the taxes in a nutshell so classification advises on how much we are going to be looking at when it comes to the the rate Computation. And the, and the value, the valuation is where now you guys are going to be looking at how much this item is worth. Yes, that is it. Okay, so so I want Mr. James, and uh, I I want us to just look at it from somebody who is very green, somebody who wants to start motor vehicle uh, uh, purchase. I'm a fika pala agent. I'm a mwambia. I'm a malizana na cabs. Now I'm enda kare. Kare wa mesema tax ni six hundred thousand. This amount, where is this amount being arrived from? Because I hear there are different uh, processes that you guys call about the CRSP. These are term- terminologies you will hear uh, when it comes to that process. So I would want you to now tell us, what is the basic or the standard importation uh, process when it comes to stacks? If you customs, what happens at that desk? Okay, Evaluation, but now tell us from a layman's perspective. Thank you. Assuming I am a turbo diesel, yeah? I've imported my Subaru XT from uh, Japan. Once I import this car, there are some documents. Of course, there are those documents you are given. You make payment either through the bank, you transfer the money there to Japan. And once upon transfer of the money, the car will go and inspection will be done in Japan to confirm whether the, it is roadly worthy. Then they will send you a bill of reading. They will send you an invoice. And also they confirm the expected, even the, the vessel. And they will give you an expected timeline when this vehicle that you have imported will arrive in the country. So once you have this document, and when the car arrives in the country, what Talbo will do in customs, the representative, we have what we call the customs clearing agent. You get a clearing agent, 
once you have this clearing agent, you surrender to him this documentation. That is the bill of reading, the invoice, and they will do a declaration. A declaration is a, a document, a customs document that you will do in the system, either in a Simba system or in our system called ICMS. So once he does that declaration, it allows self declaration using the documents that you 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 have been given by the person who has sold you the car from abroad. So once you do that, of course you should have uh, lodged an IDF. There's what we call import declaration uh, fee document. Then together with that, now you lodge this document. There is a link they normally create in uh, Kentrade. That link, you abroad the documents in that particular link, such that somebody who is in uh, CAPS can see the same document. Somebody who is in uh, elsewhere, other than KRA, can see the document that you have uh, lodged. So once you do that, the clearing agent now will do the serial declaration. And once the serial declaration is done, the documents now come under inspection of customs. So if the vehicle that you have imported attracts 25% import duty, then the clearing agent will include that 25% import duty. If the vehicle attracts excess duty of 35%, you will indicate that the excess duty for this motor vehicle is 35. And the system will compute the taxes automatically. And these taxes, they are further scrutinized by a customs officer. If it is in the case of Simba system, when vehicles are declared under Simba system, we have officers who work under a section called Document Processing Center. They review the document that uh, you have attached and they will process that particular entry upon payment of uh, requisite taxes. So what I need to talk about is how these taxes are computed. And I saw when I was uh, part of the forum I was doing on this space, I saw a number of questions and uh, most people were responding. Actually, they were giving right answers on that. So for instance, if your vehicle costs, uh, we have classified this vehicle where import duty is 25%. And then excise duty is 35%. Excise duty is 35% for vehicles with engine capacity of 3,000 cc. That is for diesel engine. If you have a diesel engine with more than 3,000 cc, excise duty is automatically 35%, as it is given in the Excise Act. And if it's a, a vehicle uh, of petrol, petrol, again, the excise duty is also given. Then there is VAT of 16%. However, during Corona season, uh, the government gave concession and it was reduced to 14%. Then there is what we call import declaration fee, IDF, which is normally 3.5% of the value. Then we have railway deferment levy, which is 2% of the value. And we have what we call MSS levy, what we call merchant and CPAS levy, which is computed 
dependent on, on the volume of the vehicle. It has a various formulas that are used to compute that MSS levy, and it's also dependent on the goods that you are importing. If you are importing goods that are containerized, MSS levy will be charged as per the size of the container. If you are importing something like a car, it will also be imported, it will be charged based on the volume of, uh, that's the cube you take the length, width and height of the vehicle, and then a particular rate is charged on that. So if this vehicle costs 1 million, that is the what we call uh, CIF value. The CIF value includes the cost of the purchasing that car. Secondly, we have the insurance that you pay to the shipping line or to the, not the shipping line owner, not to the shipping line, but to the, the insurance company to take care of in case of uh, turbulence in the sea and you get the car, maybe get rose, you get paid, compensated. Then we have what we call the freight. Freight is what you pay for this car and it's paid to the shipping line. So that one forms what we call the CIF value. CIF value, sometimes we call it customs value. However, when you talk, there is a slight difference between the CIF value and the customs value, where customs value includes other charges. For example, if you imported this car, uh, from maybe Fukuoka, Japan, and this the port of loading is not Fukuoka, it's going to a particular town or a port of loading in Japan. That cost of transporting that car from where you purchased it in Japan to the port of loading, it's also added to this to this. that's why the customs value is slightly different from the customs value. But in most cases, for cars, the custom value is almost more or less the same as the CIF value. So this customs value is what we use to levy taxes. Now, assuming I said, assuming the car is a, is a 1 million value, so and import duty is 25%, so you multiply, popular assist me to multiply that, you multiply 25%, times 1 million. So you will pay import duty of what? 150. Bob? I'm actually doing okay. that with the calculator right now. Yes, yes. Now you will pay import duty of 150. 250. Yeah? If you say 25% of 1 million, 250. Yeah, 250. 250. <laughs> so this 250, then you add it back to the customs value. So you get like uh, the customs value we said was 1 million. Is so it? Now we, have, now we have 1 million and uh, 250,000. Yes, 1,250,000. Then that okay. now becomes what we call the excise value. So that one is what you multiply by 20, 35% if your car was was uh, more than 3,000 cc diesel. It will attract at 5% excise duty. 
So you multiply 1.25 million times that 5%, then you'll get the excise duty that you are supposed to pay. So how much is that? Just a minute, 35% of uh, 1,250. Mm -hmm. That is coming to 437,500. 437,500. That yes. is the excise duty that you will pay. Then For this unit. For that unit. Then we need now to compute VAT. So for us to compute VAT, VAT you need to get the mm -hmm. VAT value. Now the VAT value uh -huh. is the customs value, which was 1 million, plus import duty that you paid, which was 250,000, plus the excess duty that you had paid, which is 437,500. So we'll give you the VAT value. What do you get? So 1250, uh, that is uh, 1,200, 1,250,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,000,
some agents ask depending on the size of there are those who can ask 10,000, 5,000, 50,000 and depending on the negotiation that you have. So, so, so all this mm-hmm. is what you pay. The clearing agent fee is not to carry, you are paying to the clearing agent. Huh? Yes, yes. Registration fee it is an agent's revenue we collect on behalf of uh, NTSA. At the end of it, we remit it to NTSA. NTSA. Yes. In- inspection is charged by KRA or this is a CAPS fee? This is a CAPS fee. CAPS fee. So this is the one that you either paid when the car was coming in or when the car was done uh, at the country of supply? Yes. Okay. So yes. I- I'm just looking at this calculation. This this is a unit that costed $1 million. Yes. It attracted 250,450,500,257,500,257,500,257,500,257,500,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,257,
a car worth 2 million, you are likely to pay taxes of about 2 million plus. And if that car is of a cylinder capacity more than, of a cylinder capacity of 35, of 3,000, more than 3,000. But if you bought a small car, or uh, maybe where excess duty is uh, 20% or 25%, then you pay less than the value. But where excess duty is more than that 5%, you pay more than the value. And now, this is uh, the highest rate that you're looking at is 35%, is it? Yeah, excess duty, the highest rate for motor vehicle yeah. is uh, 35%. There was a question about, uh, let's go back to the CRSP, and this is where there was about, there is what you call depreciation. Where does it come into play? The year of uh, first registration, where does this come into play if I'm looking at uh, a rate of 101%? Mm-hmm. Where does this come into play? Do I have the more, the, the, the closer I import, if today I'm importing a 2015 vehicle guided by the standards and somebody else is importing a 2020 car, are we going to go on the same rates or are we going to pay even higher the closer I get to 2022? Uh, thank you, Bob, once again, and members on the space. Now, the issue of CRSP, once first CRSP, what it refers to is the uh, current retail selling price. Mm-hmm. Now, as I started, I said we normally have uh, methods of valuation. All yes. these goods, when you purchase them, they have a value. And I know all of us, we normally go to the sites that uh, normally sell motor vehicles, like uh, the right uh, SPT and the rest. And we normally see you can get uh, the same Toyota Land Cruiser, maybe with a cylinder capacity of 2,700 retailing, maybe the same here, the same make, but they are selling them at different prices, depending on uh, either the usage, whether it's an accident car, whether it's the grading of that particular car during auction. Now, some years back, uh, world all over. You see, Kenya is one of uh, the countries, actually Kenya and Nigeria, the biggest consumer of used motor vehicles. So for these used motor vehicles, they normally give a challenge when coming up with a variation because you can't determine uh, the extent of usage. One, you can have a car that is one year old and another car that is uh, uh, six months old um, or two years old, but the one of one year old is uh, is a chunk. You can't compare the two year old, depending on the person who was using it. So looking at it, uh, we had a, a challenge because on uh, the various documentation people were giving us, importers, taxpayers when they import, they used to bring a fraudulent documentation. And remember, it was then we most items, most documents were manual. We were not uh, digital as now. 
where you could get this document from uh, Japan or from other partners. Everything was manual. So during that time, uh, a research was done widely that uh, came up with uh, this issue, what we call CRSP. The, where in CRSP actually is one of uh, the evaluation method, which is a uh, method four that we call deductive value method. The deductive value method, we look at it from when you imported an item X, this item X, when it's new, it retails 1 million here locally. So if it retails 1 million here locally, then we work backwards to arrive at the landing costs, what we call the FOP value at the port of importation, maybe in Mombasa. So when we look at that, then we use that one as the customs value and we compute taxes. So from the research that was done, it was established. And actually this was involved in various aspects. Those people who are in the sector who have done actuarial science, they understand how that one is done. And it was established that uh, a vehicle that is uh, about zero months to around six months could depreciate five percent. The same uh, if a vehicle is over six months, it will depreciate uh, maybe at ten uh, percent. If a vehicle is over is greater than one year, but less than or equal to two years, it will depreciate 15%. Then if a vehicle is uh, greater than seven years, but less than eight years, it will depreciate 70%. So based on this, uh, these rates, we, we apply now what we call the CRSP, where we are looking at this car, is a Toyota Land Cruiser. Uh, this Land Cruiser, when it's new, if you go to Toyota Kenya to buy it, it costs you 20 million. Then Toyota Kenya uh, could have incurred some costs. So we remove those margins. We remove the profit margins. We remove the taxes that you, you, you paid at the port then we arrive at what we call customs value. So this custom value, then, then we depreciate that value depending on the age. If the car is between seven to eight years old, we depreciate it by 70%. If it is between six to seven years, we depreciate it by 60%. Then you arrive at the customs value. So once you arrive at the customs value, then the next step is to apply the taxes, the way computation that we have done, you apply those taxes at those particular rates, and then you arrive at the, the taxes that you are supposed to pay. Now, for new vehicles, there are those people who are preferring to import new vehicles with zero mileage. 
and they normally import them through JKIA, through air. Those vehicles, when they come, we don't use CRSP. We use the invoice value. But again, even these used motor vehicles, when you import them, the first aspect we normally ask, where is the invoice? Then if you provide to us the invoice, we will also ask, do you have a proof of payment? How did you make this payment? There are those who normally give us what we call TT. They say, I have this TT. But because, again, we have seen a number of cases where people falsify this document. If it's a TT, the TT is the same. What you ask the bank, they give you the same TT. But when you come to the amount section, the amount is different. There are those, again, who do partial payments on a TT. They are purchasing, they will pay maybe $10,000 this week or this month, then come the month of April, they will pay another 10,000. So that becomes 20,000. But when it comes to when the uh, forwarding documents to customs, they give us one TT indicating this 10,000. So we have been able to come across all those cases and we all know all the fraud that is done in this motor vehicle. But if taxpayers provide documents and justify that these are the documents that we purchase these vehicles with, then we don't go to method four. We directly use method one, which is transaction value method, to compute the taxes payable and you end up paying. So I think these are transactions, uh, this CRSP, I think is was one of the a method and I've seen some people use the KRA calculator. It's the same as been somebody transferred it uh, that particular calculator and then computed taxes for him or self. We have also seen cases where you give the clearing agent proper documentation, then they falsify those documents. We normally take standard action on such a cases because uh, our acts that we implement they it provides for offenses and uh, settlement of those offenses and the penalty when you have found that you either falsify documents so Bob. okay um guys thank you thank you so much james there's been a lot of feedback coming in i'll actually not ask you any other question about that i see the players in the industry already somewhere here the questions are going to be coming to you before i give them that chance Guys, this is Pesia Magari. Remember to just tweet. Let guys know where you are. If you have any questions, tweet using the hashtag Yamagari. Sir Kelvin, you know you're somewhere. Turbo Diesel, I know you're somewhere. Esna, I know you're somewhere with your questions. So if there's any questions, that is something that I'll be coming to. So Sir Kelvin, uh, Esna, if there's any questions currently before we head on to the next question. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Bob. Uh, yeah. My audible. Yes, yes. Yes, you are. Yeah, yeah. So, hi, Mr. Jimmy. Uh, hi, hi. Um, I have sampled a few questions here. Rather, I have like uh, seven questions. Uh, that is from uh, 
from the timeline I've, I've sampled this person from the timeline and uh i don't know how to go about, about it should i ask you one then they get the response on one and they move on i might ask all of them at once i don't know what members uh, in the space will like uh, maybe they get oh. let them write okay I'm ready uh, for end. yeah le- let's go like uh question and answer kind of scenario huh? i'll go with okay. uh, we, have this, we have this question from kigweru uh, he's asking how does kra tax electric cars good uh thank you uh one then uh, i have to take you back to classification and uh in classification uh electric cars are also classified and i told you motor vehicles are classified under section uh, uh section 7 adding 87 and uh, these electric cars again they are classified uh depending on uh, various uh, items uh, for example they are classified depending on the cc they are classified depending on uh uh the number of persons they can carry etc so these electric vehicles if you go to the that particular section there are those that have import duty of 25 others the 10% and also most of these uh, vehicles they have uh, excise duty of uh, of uh, 10% initially i think it was a uh, 20% and it was reduced to 10% in the year 2019 in the finance act of 2019 it, it reduced excise duty to 10% so based on that particular classification once you have classified this particular vehicle in the right for hs code then you see how much import duty is supposed to to pay then we do the same computation like what we did with the uh, pop then uh, if it's excise duty then it is 10% just that and vat and the other taxes so major thing the taxation is the same but we needed to arrive at uh, the classification where have we classified this particular motor vehicle of course we know there are vehicles that are locally here they are converting and uh, most of them by the time they are converting you realize that the taxes have been paid so they don't come to care for valuation and also taxation back to you kevin okay uh, thank you so much jimmy for that that was quite informative uh, we have another question here from bashora uh, bashora is asking uh, what's the purpose of the railway development levy mm-hmm. Uh thank you. I think uh, this is a, it was submitted to parliament some years back. I think it was 2013 or 2014. And uh this levy by then the spirit of then was uh, this when SGL they were thinking about SGL and it was supposed to support that I, but I will get the clear indication what was the thinking behind of this uh, railway development uh, levy but uh, i can again ask uh, you to go through you can google what we call miscellaneous uh, levies 
it is called uh, miscellaneous what miscellaneous uh, uh, fees and levies act if you get you go through that uh, levies act i think you are able to get more insight mm-hmm. on uh, why we levy this railway uh, development levy and also which goods qualify to be levied and which one does not qualify because we have other goods that don't qualify we have those that uh, attract a miscellaneous uh, RDL of 1.5% so you can all get that one under the miscellaneous levies act but once i get the the the, the proper reasoning behind why this was introduced because i know it was introduced by the act of parliament so that act of parliament Yeah, it gave the rationale behind why this levy was introduced and by what i remember it came into effect around 2014 so it's something some information that we can get and uh, clarify to the question why we normally ask for this uh development levy Kevin? Oh. Yeah, uh, thank you so much Jimmy. Uh my third question goes uh comes from Wangala. Wangala is asking if the transactional value of the vehicle is the first uh if the transactional value is the first step and should be applied and uh, she has an invoice why is KRA not following the transactional value? Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh thank you once again. KRA actually we before we facet method 1 we must have a justification why we are vacating method 1 uh we normally request for these uh documents that support that transaction value and the major document that we get from uh, the taxpayers is uh the invoice this invoice we request for tt if you paid it through the graphic money transfer we you give us the tt so once you give us this tt we don't just accept it like that we have to scrutinize it scrutinize it we even liaise with the bank ask whether kevin you paid this money but first we ask you to get, give us a certified copy from the bank of the tt Again we know there are people who get uh, falsified those certification. But again we normally request the bank to give us a commitment on the same. So once we get this commitment we will compare with what you are given. So when we are departing from that transaction value it means there is something that we have found that is not that is irregular with your document that you have given to us then immediately we depart from transaction value and then we go to deductive because uh method 2 which is identical identical there are various aspects that we normally look at for example the physical characteristic the quality and uh, reputation so if it's just by that then we found somebody with uh, an identical car with the same reputation same quality same physical characteristics then we don't go to method 4 we use identical so if uh, kevin and bob we imported the same vehicle with all aspect the same we use method 
method uh, uh, two, which is identical, Woods method. Then if we find that there is no identical car, again, we use similar. This is a case where we have new vehicles. Remember, when you have a used car, you can't say this car is identical to this. They can have the same year, same day, not year, day of manufacture, same day of registration. It can travel the same mileage, yeah? But your car has a dent on the door. Then that car will never be identical. So we, that's why we normally opt using computed value method, which does not raise a number of questions. And it's the same method that even we have given it to WCO and they have accepted. Back to you, Bob. Uh, Kevin. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Jimmy, for that. And also we have another question. This comes from Michael. Uh, Michael is asking, why are newer vehicles taxed higher compared to the older vehicles? Actually, now that is a nice one, huh? And uh, normally, that's why people run away from uh, the first, the, the, the immediate question you have asked, what we call the transaction value method. When we use uh, the transaction value method, because it's not easy to hide in the new newer car, normally the transaction value method uh, taxes you pay are higher because they normally give the actual invoice. This other one you they normally falsify. So because that actual invoice, the the, the, the right invoice, which has not been falsified, that's actually you pay the right the right for taxes. It is not the higher taxes, but you have paid the right if taxes, what you are supposed to have paid. So it's good that uh, you use the right documentation because once you find that uh, the documents that you have applied are falsified, falsified uh, the consequences are great because uh, there are those that we, we raise an offense and uh, the penalty to that offense or the fine is normally one, uh, I think it's $10,000. So $10,000, if they, that's almost 1 million. There are other offenses that attract 50% of the value. So there are cases where you can find you have multiple offenses, you charge 50% of the value, you charge uh, maybe $1,000, which becomes quite expensive. And also looking at it, the delays during that uh, dispute settlement, there are a number of delays in between uh, maybe uh, trying to settle this uh, matter. During this delay, you normally, maybe there are demarage costs. There is uh, what we call customs warehouse rent that you pay. So it ends up being costly for just falsifying the documents. And I can say you need to ensure that uh, 
you write the right uh, the these the documents that you get or you give or you attach to customs are the right documents and if you need uh, a further clarification you can lie us with uh, various emails that we have provided maybe at evaluation we have an email at uh, the release point maybe at the port at uh, icd here in Nairobi, at jkia in eldoret we have various email addresses that you can lie us with or you can lie us with our care care and those all those issues reach us and we can issue actually settle them back to kevin okay um sir kelvin um just before you head on to the next question in the interest of time allow me to just jump on to esna esna is there any question Um, as Esna gets ready, I see Alasiri, your hand is up. Alasiri, can you hear me? Um, hi, Bob. Um, hi, Esna. Hi. Yes. Yes, we can hear you. Esna, we can hear you. Kindly proceed. Like we can't hear you, Esna. Esna, umeenda mbali? Esna, speak up. Can you hear me now? Yeah, yeah we can hear you. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Um, thank you, Mr. Jimmy Fox, for joining us today. And thank you so much for taking us through that very, very nicely. Uh, I've just found a very, very interesting question here on, um, uh, on how Mr... Zakius is asking how the redirection of cars meant for other markets affect the implementation of your taxation of Kiaris uh, taxation process i mean take us through uh, this process of redirecting a car for instance for somebody in say Uganda or wherever uh, thank you Esna and the question that has asked Yes, we understand there is a scheme where people do import vehicles on transit either to South Sudan or to Uganda or Tanzania or Rwanda, Burundi, elsewhere. And uh, they pay taxes in those countries. Others even don't, uh, they go take the goods to Uganda or any, not inside Uganda, to the neighboring countries. Huh? When they go to these neighboring countries and uh, they go and maybe take a, a right of, for example, take a right of uh, number plate from here in Kenya, then they pandicate in that particular car and they easily drive back. And uh, we all know, you have read all over, you have seen what has happened. A number of these motor vehicles have been confiscated because uh, we have a, a full-fledged department that looks at those particular motor vehicles. And uh, we have uh, actually, I think last year, but one you saw, we publicized the number, a list of a number of vehicles that were diverted in the Kenyan market. And uh, we were able to, we have been able to we get a number of them. Most of them are in the police uh, uh, 
stations and some of them we have auctioned them. So there is a scheme that involves our various our prayers and we have been able to identify these prayers who normally facilitate or enable uh, this process to go on and various actions have been taken. We have taken a number of them to court and a number of them have been uh, sentenced to jail. So there is a lot and there is an entire scheme that happens. Huh? And uh, I think for a good uh, Kenyan, it's not a, a process that you can engage in because you can uh, get this car cheaply, but uh, it is expensive at the end of the day. When you are caught, uh, that you uh, you pay taxes as a new importation. There's no negotiable. Even if the car is over age 20 years old, we look at it. Any document that uh, suggests this car uh, came through Kenya at this particular time and age, then taxes are paid at that time of importation. And then, uh, of course, it's the general knowledge that uh, KRA works with other multi-agency team to cover uh, uh, some of these. We also work with others like uh, Interpol. This is the common knowledge in the public knowledge. So we get all this information all over. So I can say it happens, I do. but uh, we have come across a number of them. And I can request if you know others, you can share with me. <laughs> we ensure that uh, these people, we we bring harmony in the sector. Back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, just another quick question before we move on to Bob or Kelvin or Alex. Um, Dr. is asking if there is an implication on taxes for one to own uh, a foreign a car with foreign uh, plates, for example, the Uganda and Tanzanian uh, plates we see here locally. Mm -hmm. uh, thank you. Uh, what I could say is that uh, when you import, uh, not only importation, the foreign with a car with a foreign number plate, by law you are coming, maybe it is called a temporary importation. You are coming to the country on temporary basis, either on a business trip or you are on a work permit or you are here on a feast. So when you come to the country, there are some documentations that you normally feel at the point of entry. If at the point of entry, either in, at the border station. So this documentation you feel there is a fee that is normally charged. This fee is based on the engine capacity of the vehicle. Uh, there are those that we charge, I think, $21 per month. And there are those that we charge around $30 per month, depending on the engine capacity. So those are the charges that we normally levy, not taxes. But those are charges for you bringing this car temporarily into the country. And of course, there is a, a period that is allowed for free. Uh, you, I don't, I don't remember where, but there's a period that's allowed for free. Then secondly, 
there are conditions when you feel that particular form and this form we normally call it a c32 form that uh, you can renew that temporary importation to a number of times i think it's three times subject to that you can't renew more than that so if you are given three months then you renew you renew, and that is all you can't renew more than that three then when you are renewing you can drive to the any nearest customs office either at the border if you are near the border or you can come to times tower here you park your car we have our officers who sit at uh, the ground floor uh, not ground fast floor on the lower wing they can be able to do it for you I think I have answered that. I don't know whether there is any other. That yes, I have one. Yes. Um, question would be, um, at what point does or is someone allowed to bring in uh, a vehicle tax-free? I've also seen um, guys cars from UN, then they say, I'll sell you at this much, but you have to go pay um, KRA. Would you mind just uh, lighting the same? Thank you. I think uh, that's are uh, two questions in one. One, I look at uh, the diplomatic vehicles or vehicles with uh, people with the privileges. For example, you have a friend who works in UN. Uh, they have uh, some privileges when they are importing, they don't pay taxes. And even when you get their rockbook, the rockbook is clearly indicated, uh, maybe duty, nah where you see duty either paid or none, or some other uh, rock book they are written, uh, customs clearance required before transfer of this vehicle. So when you want to buy this vehicle, the person who is selling it, or yourself who has purchased it, of course, when you do an application to the commissioner of customs, then you attach a rock book of course a copy of the rock book and the rock book we of course, of course indicate this vehicle the engine capacity the make uh, the engine the ch the chassis number etc then customs will give you a computation on of the access that you are supposed to pay so once you get those computation then the next step is to write us with a clearing agent and do a, a, a customs declaration. So once you do the declaration, then you proceed and do payment. When you do the payment, then the, the declaration will be processed. Once processed, then that information will seamlessly migrate to NTSA system, and then they will generate a rockbook for you. So that's a case where we are looking at diplomatic uh, vehicles. Not necessarily diplomatic, but people with the privileges. This include uh, people with the disabilities. When they import, they are normally given exemptions. These exemptions, uh, when they want to sell, because they are not at any point, they cannot have more than one vehicle. So if they want to acquire another one, they have to sell this one and then apply for another one.
of course there is a period when you are supposed to purchase a car and be with it until mm-hmm. that period then that's when you can qualify to have a, a that particular vehicle then secondly the second part of that question is uh uh what we call returning resident are those people who have worked in abroad for a particular number of years as defined by law when then when you are coming back the act allows you to import one duty free vehicle so this vehicle should meet particular criteria that has been defined by the act so that criteria if you go through and the the 50th HU, i know if you people you can google the 50th HU of uh, east african customs community act management act and you get uh, i think is a uh, part p and uh, i think should be item 5 3c it highlights uh, the conditions of a returning resident what you need to acquire to possess for you to get that uh, status of a duty free motor vehicle so if you are a returning resident for those uh, brothers and sisters of us who are in uh, this uh, space and uh, maybe they are in US they are in UK you are returning home permanently to stay in Kenya and you want to come with the car that you are using there then the law allows that one so that's another condition that you can use to benefit from duty free then uh, under this returning residence because i saw uh, one of the questions that was supposed to tackle we have uh, uh, those people who are coming from countries that have uh, left and drive motor vehicle member by row here in Kenya we don't allow there's a standard we implement or we enforce that is uh, Kenya Bureau of Standards standard that we implement does not allow left hand drive vehicles here in the country so i think uh, around uh, don't remember when in particular the president allowed uh, people to import those who are owning left hand vehicles in uh, in uh, uh, the countries that drive left hand vehicles they can change get a one with the right hand then their conditions that uh, they apply and then they, they can import that new car permanently they can import that car to Kenya some of those conditions include uh, first you must be changing your residence if you are in UK you must be changing your residency to Kenya permanently yeah but not sio ile mtu akukuja tu Kenya na tembe na arudi aje gari na arudi of course we have mechanism to know or to tell that then uh, there is another requirement that what i told you on the the 50 sechu you must meet the requirement of that 50 sechu then uh, you must be you, you must have owned that car 
in that country for at least one year. At least one year. Then you must have, uh, I think, a proof of ownership that you own that car. So you need to show us a proof of ownership and uh, you must show us that you disposed this car. You owned it and you disposed it. So you must have that. Some of this is uh, a Sarah agreement and maybe you can support it with a bank statement indicating this one, I sold this money and this is what came to my account. Then another trick one, the another one is uh, the CRSP of uh, the right hand vehicle that you want will always will always be res or equal to that of the left hand vehicle that you own. So ensure that that uh, you need to confirm in advance that I'm importing this car. I used to own this one. What with the, the CRSP? Because it, what you are the new vehicle that you want to purchase or import should have a lower CRSP than what you used to drive. Then these vehicles, where's the letter pass you put your Gufanya town You can't allow a pass or a mini pass, which has a seating capacity of 13 passengers then you should also the loading capacity of that vehicle that you want to import uh, should not be more than two tons of course we know vehicles with more than two tons what type of vehicles are these so those are some of the conditions that uh, you of course again the eight year rules should apply because that's a standard we are we implement on behalf of Kenya Bureau of Standards. So those are the conditions that one should meet. And once you meet all those, you qualify to get a duty-free vehicle to the country. So if you are coming, well, I've seen a very... number of cases, I've handled a number of cases where we have accepted, and also we have a number of cases where we have denied them because they don't qualify with the provisions that have been set. Thank you. Um, thank you so much. Just um, just a quick one again, just on follow-up. When you say um, they are tax exempt, so is it the um, VAT, um, excess duty, RDF, or the specific taxes that you are exempted? Uh, all the taxes are exempt. What you only pay is uh, registration fees vehicle registration and other agency revenue like MSS revenue that one you must pay and uh, that uh, okay. thank you so much thank you Tarbo thank you I'll, I'll be opening the space to Akina Motogari Akina Rutiun Akina Alasiri but before that <clears throat> Mr. James does yes. KRA offer advisory to the government? Because what 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 we are gathering from this is that uh, KRA is more of an implementation of what is already there in law. Some of these things you're mentioning is that they came into like the railway fees you're mentioning. They say they are coming in from around 2013 to 2016, if I have it right. So these are these are acts that were done in Parliament, and then KRA is left to enforce. So that means that KRA sit down and tell the government that yo, this is over taxation. Because I'm just looking at this uh, model that you just used, the example of the one million unit. 
and I'm looking at it and it seems like you're compounding on the interest. You get 1 million, you are 250, you tax it. Then you get 437,500 on top of it, you tax it. What is this about? Is this model calculated also coming from the app or does the KRA come up with it? Uh, thank you. I mm -hmm. think uh, those are the standards of uh, computation of taxes. Mm -hmm. And I think across the region, uh, those are how the taxes are computed. And uh, of course, there are various uh, acts that support that on how the computation is done. So it's better than an act? Uh, not necessarily an act, but uh, I will check on the computation of taxes, but uh, our ECIMA, yes, mm -hmm. uh, explain clearly on how these taxes are computed. Can this computation be changed? Yeah. Through an act of parliament or through parliament process, no, can no, this no, this is at ESD level. This is at ESD level. Yes, it actually outlines clearly how these mm -hmm. computations are done. And now, Kare, do you offer advisory to the government when they are bringing some of this act into play to you, especially telling you to tax uh, electric vehicles? For instance, I'm just looking at an electric vehicle that is being charged a railway development fee and uh, fuel, uh, something, fuel levy and such like. Do you sit down and tell the government some of these things are uh, exorbitant rates or do you just implement because it comes from the act of parliament? Do you ever get a point to sit down and tell parliament this is not right, this is right. Uh, thank you. And I think uh, for that question, next time I would like to invite also our policy people because they are people who normally set these policies and represent us at uh, our matter ministry, which is uh, the Treasury. And uh, we do give the implications of uh, these uh, policy decisions to the economy. And uh, remember, before this thing comes to the to be the act of parliament, it goes through the various people that we have uh, nominated or elected to represent us. And uh, they normally debate on the same before it is passed into the row. So I know that uh, the constitutions arouse uh, public participation and uh, this is a, a way forum that uh, members of uh, in this space or others they can also give views during the budget cycle but i know uh during this budget cycle when maybe members are called somewhere to give their views people don't normally go there to give their views i think this is a nice time to use this opportunity to engage the government and also some of these policies for us we say the key is we do give our opinion and uh, to and uh, our key role is also as i said is to implement these these rules that have been passed by parliament so so what you're really saying is that the ball is still back to us as kenyans when it comes to us selecting the leaders we send to parliament because some of these things are passed with their knowledge 
and uh, it's 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 really start hitting us when we start realizing that some of these policies would have been better done, and then were not done because something needed to be effected in the regime or in some government uh, policies. So I, I I think that is what I'm gathering from you that it goes back to the people and the people representatives are in parliament, they're in senate, they're in the any representation house that we have in this country. So do you reckon that? If we get it wrong at getting the legislatures and the people who set the laws, then we get it wrong all through, including taxation. No, I think your guess is uh... <laughs> that one. I think I leave it to you and the members on the space yeah. to 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 comment on their save. <laughs> okay, so sorry, yeah. Mr. James. Okay, now I wish to open the space, guys. Thank you so much. This is Pesia Magari. Uh, we're just coming into a bit of a wrap in the next few minutes so that we release Mr. James. So I'll be giving each of the speakers in the session Ruthless, Arasiri, Ruth, uh, Ruthun, Motogari. And if you have any questions, you can request for the mic. Tweet using the hashtag Spesia Magari. Let's keep this thing going. Let's keep the ball rolling. Alasiri, your hand is up. You can go first, then followed by Rutune. Ruthless, you're going third, then Motogari. And uh, as we keep on accepting all the other speakers in the house. So Alasiri, you may go. Bob, just a, just a second before Alasiri yes. goes. Yes. Uh, Mr. James, uh, I've, I've come across a really interesting question here on the timeline. Huh? Uh, Mekachilili uh -huh. is asking, uh, how do you tax electric vehicles based on their CC? Yet these are these are these are electric vehicles. They run motors. They don't have engines. No, I say we tax them based on the tariff classification, and it is very clear. If you go through the that harmonized system, it is very clear where these uh, vehicles are being uh, classified for for the for the excise duty. It is actually 10% for all electric vehicles, irrespective of where they are classified. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Jimmy. Just one, the, the one last one now. Uh, this is coming from Tilingi. Tilingi is asking uh, during importation of vehicles, uh, let's say for the persons with disabilities, uh, mm -hmm. how do you handle that uh, basing on the issue of tax exemptions? Yeah. I think persons uh, um, with disability, they also do benefit for exemption because they are provided for under 50 statute again. Of, if you look at our Act, East African Community Custom Management Act, the 50 statute to that Act, but A and uh, item 8 in particular. And also, you look at the first statute, part one of that act, section A, item 39 of the VAT Act. It provided provides for that uh, persons with disability are given ex exemption for the vehicles. Of course, there is a process that we normally undergo through. One, you must make a, an application to Commission of Customs in writing. Then you need also to provide some documentation like uh, the medical certificate from a registered doctor, of course. 
you also attach copies uh, of uh, certified copies by a commission of oaths. So that uh, certificate, you attach a, a, a copy, certified a copy maybe by a certified copy by the commission of oaths, and uh, you present yourself uh, to the commissioner. The commissioner meaning now you to the people that are representing the commissioner physically because we have seen cases where people try to manipulate documents so you present yourself physically no before you present uh yourself physically you present the original documents those original documents that are you they that were satisfied and a copy from the document you present them during the interview with the representative of the commissioner and I'm assuming person being interviewed is the person who is importing this car. That is the person with a the disability. Then you must have the original letter. When people with disabilities have an association, so you must have an original letter recommending you from the association of, of people with disability. Uh, or the National Council of Persons with Disability. So then, uh, for physical disabled person, you need to have a copy of valid driving license. And in case of a visual or mental or hearing impairment or any other impairment, maybe that will be dealt with a case to case, one is allowed to nominate a driver. Of course, that's why somebody will ask me why if I'm primed, how would I drive? So you nominate a driver and that person that is going to drive you will surrender that uh, driving license. And also, you don't just nominate by a word of mouth, ensure that uh, you do you there is a nomination letter from to that person from the person with the disability you give the driver a nomination letter you have nominated uh, person xy to be my driver then you give details some of the details that you give is the driving licenses you also give uh, attach a copy of the id uh, and also an affidavit to confirm the same that you have nominated so and so then uh, you also give us a copy of a bill of reading and this bill of reading should be addressed to the applicant the applicant is the person with a disability that bill of reading should be addressed to that then you give us uh, the invoice or a performer invoice all this document again must be addressed to the applicant. Of course, we can't allow you to benefit duty-free if you are not compliant. Even if you are disabled and you are not compliant, we will not allow you. So you must give us a tax compliance certificate. A tax compliance certificate does not necessarily mean 
that we are paying taxes, you might be unemployed, uh, you have no income, but you are filing in early returns. So if you are filing in early returns, the income you are getting maybe is from farming, meal, or somebody has given you money as a gift to go and purchase a car, but you must be filing in early returns at least for you to get a certificate, tax compliance certificate. So ensure that if you are not in employment, active employment, ensure that uh, you have been filing in early returns. And if you are in employment, ensure you are filing returns and get a, a, a tax compliant. If you are a director somewhere in a company, of course you must be your company must be tax compliant where you are a director and plus you are safe for you to call for. Then you also give us a cash remittance transfer. If you paid for the car, of course you will have uh, the remittance fees, that's the TT and the rest. And then uh, we normally require a bank statement for that particular person. Of course, these are some of the documents that we need to counter check. If you have uh, you have filed in early returns and you you have a bank statement, so you have uh, 10 million, 100 million, what is the source of this money? Then you give a copy of the national ID of the applicant and there is that ID card that is given by national councils of people with disability. So when you do that, uh, you, there is a, a test drive. This uh, test drive is normally done at uh, in the presence of a customs officer, maybe at the point of uh, entry, or at the point uh, at the point of entry, maybe Mombasa or JKIA or ICDN. Then one condition that you should also know that uh, once you have benefited for this duty-free vehicle, when you want to import another one, uh, a replacement is normally after four years. You must use this car for four years. And uh, once uh, using for four years, then you can also you can also sell it and but the person who is buying it because they are the privileged person will pay taxes at that time of sale so you must use this car for four years and then uh, after that you can be allowed to dispose it and also import another one so those are the conditions that you normally look at and uh, we have various contact lines that you can uh, get in touch with us to get more clarification, maybe when you want to import that particular car. Thank you. Okay. Uh, thank you so much, Jim. Uh, I think I'll see Yes, let's know. Um, Mr. Jimby, just before you go, I wanted to know if this uh, tax exemption applies for when a person living with disability wants to import cars in bulk with the intention to sell no that one does not apply that the exemption normally applies to you 
the car that you are importing to use. That's why you are allowed only one car for four years. So if you are for business, that one will not apply. Okay, thank you. Okay. Um, Jimmy, if, sorry, if before you, um, we let you go, I want to find out when there have been issues or cases where people have bought a car and uh, you find the logbook has been labeled non-transferable. Reason could be maybe that the vehicle had not had its taxes paid. Now, who should be pay? Who pays for these taxes? The person who buys the car or the person who imported the car initially? Uh-huh, thank you. I think when we are making an agreement with the seller, you need to confirm whether the taxes are, were paid. And uh, if they were paid, what you are purchasing, that car includes, includes the taxes. Then you can make a negotiation at that level. So anybody can pay, depending on what agreement do you have, set up by agreement. So uh, is there a way somebody can also check apart from the logbook? Are there ways to find out if the duties for a car were fully paid? Because we've noticed that some people, some unscrupulous dealers, look for ways to cut corners and make their cars cheaper so they can sell faster. Now, with that comes a few corners where you come to find out later on that your car has not been, uh, your, your duties have not been fully paid. Yeah, it is true. Of course, you can lie as we ask. We can confirm to you whether the taxes were paid. And sometimes we require some additional documents for us to confirm that. So you can write to the Commission of Customs a request to confirm whether the taxes were paid. You'll get a confirmation. If they were paid, you proceed and uh, do the transfer. If they were not paid, you process the car using the customs uh, processes that we have violated earlier. Okay, thank you very much. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Solo, for that. Uh, before anyone else speaks, I think, uh, Bob, we can have now a series going. Yes. Uh, Bob, actually, my question has been answered. Uh, I had a question on, on disability, on uh, or maybe okay, maybe he can just tell us uh, which taxes are normally ex- people with uh, disabilities. Which taxes are they exempt from paying? Can he guide us on that? Actually, they don't pay all the taxes other than a registration fee and MSS levy. Okay, thank you. Yes. Rutul, your hand was up. Yeah. Jumbo. Jumbo, everyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, to Mr. Jimmy. Yes. I have a very crucial question. Yes, welcome. There are cars that uh, they are available locally. Yes. And we, we try import them. So, and uh, when we are trying to do the duties, calculation, and all that, these cars don't appear on the eighth of the CRSP is available. 2019, the halted one, 2020. Mm-hmm. And uh, we try very hard to come close to whatever value you guys try to make. Mm-hmm. Let's say, for example, a CX-3. Mm-hmm. A CX-3 is not available on any eighth of the CRSP. And uh, what you guys suggest is usually that we try get something like a CX-5 or a CX-30, which mm-hmm. a CX-30 also is not in the 2019 
since the 2020. Right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. when we do that, we, we some of us were taking to for valuation. Mm-hmm. And uh, a new CRSP is given out. Mm-hmm. That's something called uh, Valkaz uh, which and have undergone the ruling. Mm-hmm. Why do you guys not provide us with a list of the ruled cars around? Because, uh, for instance, right now, if I am to quote uh, a CX-5, a CX-3 mm-hmm. to a client, and mm-hmm. I am not... Mm-hmm. the know-how of the of the current CRSP which I'm supposed to use I quote it mm-hmm. lower mm-hmm. when I now declare, when I come declare that duty because I'll have just used the the highest value in the 2019 one mm-hmm. we end up getting penalties and uh all that yet most of uh, our clearing agent guys don't have those uh, ruled cars let's say the bs9 the a180 the cx3 and many others mm. can we can you uh, can that list be uploaded on the downloaded uh, the section on uh, website on the di- downloads kindly Okay, thank you for that. Huh? And I think uh, what I can say is uh, some of these new models that are come across the that we come across. Huh? Hello? Yeah. Some of these new models that we come across, I think it's important that uh, you pay genuine. Let us not go to discussion on CRSP. Share with us the The, the values that you purchase, the, the, the importation documents, your transaction documents, and we could be easily dispensed. And you support that transaction documents. And we can easily dispense the same and uh, finalize it without even going to discuss on the CRSP. But where one fails to provide this, yes, we have uh, various rulings that we have made. We have people who purchase those cars in the country, either new, and uh, that's when we use now, look at those uh, similar methods, so we combine it with uh, deductive and we arrive at the value. So this information we can give you upon request, but I think again, uh, the request that you have made data we can include in the downloads, I think uh, it's something that we'll consider and include in the downloads that you can easily access. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, Dr. I see your hand is up, Dr. Dr. Yes, yes. Thanks, Bob. Uh, thanks, Jimmy, for a very informative session. I just have a quick question regarding... Uh, there are these vehicles, maybe the government is selling vehicles, you get them registered uh, temporarily as XGK vehicles. What is the procedure of uh, maybe having them formally registered and uh, the 
tax computation around it. Thanks. Uh, thank you, uh, Dr. Uh, for these vehicles that are normally government-owned, most government-owned, and there are those that are sold by military, either by what we call Patuk, British Army. And we have other vehicles that we call uh, projects, like uh, when the Chinese do their projects here in the country, at the end of the project, some of those goods, if they are not transferred to another project, some of those goods are uh, disposed locally. So what happens if you happen to have purchased that car and uh, you are aware that taxes were not paid, you write the commissioner of customs requesting to get the computation of the taxes. The commissioner will compute the taxes that you are supposed to pay. Then we write to you. And again, the same process goes. You get a clearing agent and uh, and uh, we'll do the custom documentation and then the vehicle will be registered after custom documentation. Of course, there are those other bodies that uh, before they sell the vehicles to the general public, they write the commissioner customs, they give them the value, and then they pay the taxes. So by the time you are going to purchase, you are purchasing this car with already taxes paid. So you are given a rockbook. What you only need to do is to do a transfer. So in such a case where you are doing a transfer where taxes have been paid, and you somebody informs you that what you need to, to ask him is to give you a a, a a rock book, the original rock book, and also you should get the the customs entries. So once you have these customs entries, as a proof of payment of taxes, that is what you present to NTSA, and NTSA will allow you to do the the transfer to your to your, to your, to your name. Back to you. Um, I hope that Thanks. answers your question. Yes. Okay. Thank you. We have two more questions, one from Ruthless, and then we have the Duke. So Ruthless, you go, and then the Duke. Oren? I think, uh, thank you, thank you, thank you, uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Jimmy, thank you for being patient, uh, being accommodative in this space. Actually, you've talked about something that I really wanted you to expound on. Maybe you are not in the right capacity to really answer this question. But you are very aware that uh, in 2020, that was around July, uh, the High Court in Mombasa suspended the CRSP. That you guys proposed, and uh, Cardilla said, no, this is not what we are going to use. I really wanted to know, because the elephant in the room in that taxation system of KRA is the CRSP. Other things like uh, railway development, levy, things like that, those are minute and flimsy taxes. But the main thing, for instance, I'll ask this question. Is it a tendency that uh, the carriers adopted that when they see that Wanainti are really buying a certain car, they increase the CRSP? Two, a car like Onderfit, Onderfit Hybrid, they are cars which are not being manufactured locally. How do you arrive at the CRSP? For instance, you've said that you'll go to Toyota Kenya, the local dealers. 
to actually get the real values of the retail current retail selling price of this particular cars, cars which are not being manufactured in Kenya. The last thing that I want you to think about is that uh, don't you think that the taxation system in this country is very punitive, especially to car buyers? If the world is moving towards electric and hybrid cars, what are, what are some of the strategies or policies in place at KRA? Because you are an advisor to the government, that would really ensure that we get quality cars or we can easily afford electric, hybrid and mild hybrid cars. Thank you for your time. Thank you for coming. Uh-huh. Th- thank you. And I think uh, the issue of CRSB is the... We have uh, a court case and it's still pending. We, it has not been finalized. I don't think whether it's good to engage on the matters that are in court. But uh, for vehicles that uh, we are saying that they are not manufactured locally or they are not found locally here in Kenya, the evaluation method allows us to do market survey. And through this market survey we do, we are able to determine the values of these particular vehicles. And also, we said we have other methods of variation where we have cases where most of these cars might have been imported. Uh, the partner state, remember we are implementing ECMA, and ECMA is a partner state act. Uh, we do survey and uh, market survey, and we are able to come up with uh, uh, the, the, the applicable CRSP. So what we do behind the scene is a lot that we end up getting this uh, CRSP for the vehicles that are not, uh, we don't have car dealers. We we not necessarily rely on car dealers, but we also rely on other things. But also we do our due diligence behind the scene to confirm the actual taxes that uh, were paid taxes but the actual uh, uh, money that was transferred to various uh, uh, countries abroad. And when you get that information then we are able to guide you and that's what we do. On the policy aspect I think uh, we have uh, talked about this one and uh, we say that uh, you have more role to play if, uh, because uh, the constitution allows uh, for public participation. I can confirm as we do. We do participate during this uh, party cycle, but you also have uh, your representative or your save or as an association or a space in Twitter. You can also try to present some of these issues during the party cycle. And uh, once a policy is accepted and passed uh, as an act through parliament, then we'll come back and enforce it. So we have seen cases where taxes have been raised. We still enforce. We have seen cases where taxes have been removed from some items. We still enforce, like uh, the time when VAT was taken to 14% on for corona. We enforce that 14%. We ensure that we collect that 14%. When it came back to 16%, we still ensure that nobody went place for that 14%. Yeah. So I can say that uh, we, you have a big role also to play to ensure that uh, 
you are concerned concerns and the concerns of Kenyans are captured elsewhere Active. thank you thank you the duke the duke you have a question as we wrap it up the duke your hand is up okay sawa sawa the duke um seems the duke is not with us thank you so much guys it's been a good good session i want to now toss the ball to sir kelvin Turbo Diesel and Esna for any comment as we now head on to the end sessions. So I'll start with uh, either of the three, Sir Kelvin, Turbo and Esna, you have the session. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Bob. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, should we continue the question and answer? I think I have like, two left questions here with me. Okay, for the interest yeah, of time, you sure. Yeah? Yes. You can ask the two questions. Okay. Okay. Uh thank you so much Jimmy for that. Uh okay, the first one uh it's coming from uh Sean Kimani. Sean is asking, uh how did you come up with the bad month method of tax computation for say a 2015 model registered in August but imported right now will be considered as a 2016 model for the purpose of taxation. Mhm. Yeah, so the uh he was asking uh, how did you come up with the bad month method for the tax computation actually it is not uh it's not way that we came up with a bad month we are we are actually implementing the the caps standard and that particular standard requires that uh i think i can i remember the standard uh, well i think is uh, you can get through caps standard code of practice for inspection there is something that is called uh, KS 1515 of yeah. 200 2000 so in that yeah. particular standard mm. hello yes yes please proceed in that particular standard it says uh, i think uh, uh vehicles less than 8 years old from the year of first registration now we you these vehicles are normally inspected maybe by various agencies before they come to Kenya and in that certificate of uh, uh inspection there is the year of manufacture and there is the year of first registration a car can be manufactured in 20 22 january it stays in the showroom and uh, it is uh, when it somebody purchases it purchases maybe in uh, april 2022 that becomes a year of first registration the car can be manufactured today this month in the showroom and the same month is purchased so that means the year of manufacture is the same as the year of first registration so looking at that certificate that you have given us and this is standard is less than 8 years so we compute those aging based on this is standard from the date of first registration the time of importation so the time of importation here uh is the time that you have done a declaration you have entered the goods 
and that declaration has been accepted. You have made a payment, and the declaration has been accepted by the commissioner. So is the time of that is the time of importation. So once that one is done, then we compute the the age of that particular car. So it's as simple as that. It is not a formula that we came up with, but only implementing this uh, standard, KS uh, 1515. Okay, uh, thank you so much, James, for the for that. Uh, that's the last one is coming from uh, Michael. Uh, he was asking, uh, what's the criteria that you use to, in setting the CRSP? Mm -hmm. As I said earlier, when we are doing CRSP, uh, we have various methods. We do market survey. We also look at uh, those uh, vehicles that we have accepted, uh, their values. Maybe the new vehicles that have been imported and their values have been uh, accepted. Oh, we also rias with uh, various uh, dealers to give like uh, what are these vehicles uh, retailing, but not necessarily that when we rias with them, we we use their values at the CRSP but they give as an indicative value. So it's a very as a combination of a number of research that we do, a market survey, uh, yes, and uh, maybe from other vehicles that we have accepted through identical maybe vehicles that have been imported and we accepted those values. They form a basis. Thank you. Okay, uh, thank you so much, Jimmy, for that. Uh, those are my last two questions. Um, Esna, I think you can go uh, if you have any table. Um, yeah, I can go. Uh, um, ah, Esna, go ahead. It's okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Ladies first. <laughs> okay, I don't even have any more questions. I think they've been covered. Thank you, Mr. Jimmy. So you can just go ahead, Alex. Um, also, mm -hmm. Shukrani. Um, questions are almost um, indefinite, but um, just time. I think we'll we'll have to wrap it because still a Um Mine is actually really to say thank you, thank you so much for for coming in. Um, you've answered most of our questions. Um, but uh, we've done the calculation. We are getting a lot of numbers. But um, just like you've said, um, a lot of these decisions actually are more based on us, the, the sort of leaders we, we elect and things like that. And you're a forcing body, you, ju you just don't make the access, which is uh, really interesting because people say, carry on and you miss her. Yet, um, just like you've said, these taxes are coming from the government. Um, again, thank you so much for, for coming. Um, thank you for everyone for, and thank you for your questions. Yeah, so as we proceed, uh, okay, uh, thank you so much, Tabo, for that. Uh, yeah, and uh, also from me, from and uh, as well, Jimmy, I uh, we want to thank you so much for making time to be with us. Uh, you've answered most, if not all, of our questions, and uh, we are grateful for having you on board. Uh, thank you so much. We'll try and look for uh, another session if we can have, have with you, and uh, I hope to up here. And uh, yeah, they. 
So you mentioned something about bringing uh, your policy department on board. Maybe we can have more engagement on that and we see how to go about it. And uh, yeah, it's all, uh, we are grateful. Uh, Shukrani Sana from Stacey Magari. Uh, it's been amazing having, having you on board and uh, we've really, really learned a lot from the tax department. And uh, as Alex and Sam is a calculator, they're populating a lot of numbers because I was on your website uh, the other time and uh, nearly but uh, close to 65% in taxes, the value of the vehicle. And uh, yeah, uh, it's been amazing having you on board. Uh, thank you so much for making time. Uh, thank you, uh, Kevin, Bob, and all the members on this uh, space. Uh, we appreciate the questions that you have asked and also the concerns that we are raising. Actually, some of these questions is what can always make a care be a pet institution and improve our services that we do rent to our key stakeholders. When you import these vehicles, you are stakeholders and the one people make us to meet these targets. And I think it's good that we continue having such engagement. I know there are a number of questions, members, uh, various uh, members on this uh, tweet. Were had asked and we were not able to handle them because of time. Uh, we are always available to another time and engage and also discuss more on this. As we said, uh, some of these questions that you ask, we can also be handled well by our policy team, both from customs and uh, from uh, uh, DTT and uh, the entire. KRA, we have various policy teams that you can handle some of these questions that uh, you need and they can even direct you on what you're supposed to do. So I really appreciate for the chance to discuss some of these issues and I wish you all the best and good night. Good night. Thank you so much. Thank you, Mr. James. Um, we are happy. Sir Kelvin and the team, now you have the space. But thank you so much, Mr. James. This space has been recorded. We hope to have it up uh, with you guys very soon in a podcast. So expect to have it. Follow Space Yamagari, follow Jimmy, talk to them at KRA. They have contact uh, ways you can be able to reach them in case you have any questions. Follow any of the speakers in the session. This is Space Yamagari. It's been real. That was a, a tax edition. And uh, with that said and done, I think to Memaliza Maneno attacks and to Jafunga conversation. The conversation still continues. If there is anything, to Neza Endelea Kutokapo. So, Tarbo, Esna, Alasiri, Rutium, thank you, Janet, Nolan Kuengi, Michael, Johnson, Chieftain. The conversation can continue. Let's expect to have more of this. And I think with that said and done, let the war between the land cruisers and the Range Rovers continue on Spetia Magari. Thank you.